Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 123 of Season 5 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee-ki our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action flick Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me on this penultimate episode of this season is my good friend Jason, a.k.a. Agent Palmer of Agent Palmer. Welcome back, Jason. Thanks for having me. Palmer, however you want to be referred to. I I, I answer to a lot of worse things, so anything (laughs) will do. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I I understand. I've I've known you long enough, and I've I've called you some of those names, too. That's true, yeah. You know, when 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 I you know drove within ten minute miles of your house and you didn't want me to come and say hello, uh, but it's, you gonna, know, it's yeah. literally going to come up every every time we record. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. But you you I you explained and it's fine and you know we're we're still in good terms because you know you're back and I've I've invited you back. Yes. So it means that that everything is fine. You know, okay. I, I I just like to to you know throw out the jabs. It's fine. You know, it's fine. I can t- if I couldn't take a punch, I wouldn't be behind the mic. There you go. Exactly. And and you know that it's just friendly punches. It's not even, uh, you know, we're, we're doing movie punches where you don't really get hit. <laughs> <laughs> you get to like move your head back a little bit. That's before fair. before before there's any con. It's a, it's a no contact uh, punching. I, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. It sounds like fun to me. So minute one twenty three begins with uh, a list of engineers. And ends with the MPA symbol uh, adjacent to the AFL-CIO symbol. You know, I I know you always get you know the the, the credits, so you have to you know uh, make it through all of these crazy things that you know they put in, at the end of every movie. I I'm not talking about the credits. I'm talking about the the, the different stamps at the end. No, no, like I that. get that, and I I just want to say I wasn't belittling the people in the credits. I feel like I've said this before, but like I'm also the guy even before like podcasting and 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 Marvel's end credits thing. Like I always sat through the credits anyway. Um, so I I was always here for it. Uh, and and I right. I'm always. My favorite is like, wait, this was filmed in Michigan. Like, there's always that one thing at the end that surprises me from the credits, and usually, which is is great, it's location. It like I sometimes I'm surprised by other things, but usually it's wait, Michigan. (laughs) Hey, hey, hey! Don't don't be knocking Michigan. It's I'm not knocking Michigan. It just doesn't. (laughs) Like it's just like all right, okay. I mean, yeah, it's cold. Maybe you know, I that's fair. I just that was the one where I was like, wait a minute, really? Okay, I've told this story many times over the course of this entire season, but I'm gonna wait until we get that credit, and I'm gonna tell the story again. I'm excited so that you can actually hear the story because there is a story about Michigan. All right, there you go. I like you it, know, and I, I, you know, I, I, I gotta bring that up. You know, okay. I can't, uh, you know, on the. the I, I assume that in tomorrow's episode, I will not bring it up. So I might as well bring it up today. Just so anyone, you know, who's been listening, who's made it through the, the 122 uh, episodes so far, you know, can, can be reminded once again of my Michigan story. Okay. You know, so we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll yeah. get there. Yeah. So first of all, why, why don't you tell me and everyone your background with Die Hard 2? So this is where I'm sad to say it's fuzzy. And and I mean that in like the best possible way. Like I have seen Die Hard two. I do not have any recollection when I first watched it or when I second. Like I I know it and I know the beats, and yet 
it's now because die hard has become like more of a, a holiday staple on terrestrially on television, at least in, in syndication die hard two is one of the, and, and, and subsequent diehards are the ones that like, I forget parts of, even though I still know, know all the beats. And so, okay. Were you, were you surprised by the, by some of the, you know, uh, some of the surprises here then because of that, or you remembered them? I remembered them, but what I was most surprised by was how, especially for its era, and I want to put it in, in context of its era, this is a sequel that probably best embraces that it's a sequel. Like, yes. Another basement, another elevator. Why does this always keep happening to us? There's some great lines of dialogue, but there's also nods to the camera where yes. I think better than even like, and cause this is an era where we still have Beverly Hills cop two. Like there, it's not the only franchise that's getting a sequel in the early late eighties, early nineties, but this is no, the one every, every movie got sequels. Come on. I mean, uh, 48 hours got a sequel, that, but, but I think <laughs> this is the one that did it best in acknowledging the sequelness of it Correct. in, 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 Correct. in a positive way, not like a nod to the camera, not a nod to just in a, okay. All right. This is the, this is, you know, John McClane's diehard. I mean, yeah. this is his Groundhog Day. I mean, you know, it's just like, That's all right, right, okay, this is <laughs> all right, okay, whatever. And and I loved that. the The things I forgot were, I forgot, even though he plays a big part, completely forgot about William Atherton. Because when I think of Die Hard two, before I had rewatched it for this podcast, I only ever think about the snow and all of the stuff after they take the church. Okay, first of all, do you know that all of the snow in this movie is fake? Yes. There is not a single amount of real snow in this movie because they got screwed every single place that they went. There was no snow, and it was the winter of 1990. Everywhere they went, they were in, they were in Denver. They were in Washington. They were in Seattle. They were in Michigan. We'll get there. Uh, every place they went to when they got there, they're like, where the hell's the snow? No, it, it makes it <laughs> they makes skipped that... in snow to, for 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 one of the sets, and the 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 snow melted on the way, and they only had ice. Okay, they put down uh, snow blankets on the ground, and then because of the winds, the snow blankets all got blown away. I mean, they just had so much trouble. I mean, if you listen to the commentary by Randy Harland, he talks all about it how. You know, if if you want to talk about a curse, this movie was cursed by the fact that it did not have any real snow. Yeah, I it, you you I think you can tell because real snow doesn't come across well on camera, and this okay. snow photographs very well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's but, that's fair. But going in, that's all the that's all I remember. Like the, I don't like it's the the you know the the. The fight. The, the did you fuel, remember the twist? The fuel, the did fire. You... Yes, I remembered the twist. Okay, um, you remembered you 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 recognized the the blue and red tape. I did, and what's funny is I recognized it at the very beginning, and there was a part of my brain that was like, "That feels important," and it's not until like halfway <laughs> through that I'm like, "Oh, it is important." <laughs> but like I and and it. What's funny is I think it's a rewatch thing 
Like, I don't think on first watch that's something you pay attention to until much later. But the first no, round that they show has tape on it. And I'm like, that's going to be important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Again, I've, I, 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 I had that. I, I was actually able to figure that out because of another movie. When I first saw this, I saw this in the theater uh, twice uh, within uh, 16 hours. Okay. You know, I, I went to a special showing on July 3rd, 1990, uh, probably like seven or eight o'clock at night. And then I went with a different friend the following day to the first showing at noon. You know, and okay. so when I was watching it the first time, I was reminded of a a book slash uh, TV movie called The Park is Mine with Tommy Lee Jones, where the character does the exact same thing. Okay. He has, you know, blanks. I, I don't know if it's exactly red and red and blue, but, you know, he has blanks and he has regular live bullets and he keeps switching between them and he has tape colored tape on them in order to so so when i watched this movie and i saw the tape i was like that's what they're doing here you know i was able to figure it out real quickly I, uh from that with, where i didn't need to wait until a, a subsequent viewing to figure to you know to start looking at how that all yeah. does i mean again it's 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 a it's a fluke it's not something you know i'm not trying to say that i'm that i'm more intelligent than everyone else and i was able to figure it out it's because of a movie clue yeah, That's what it comes I, down to. I'll say the other the other clue to this, even without the tape, is every time the it every time they go for their guns, they change the clip. Right, almost as if like, which by the way would not be how it normally works. Normally, you still have some ammo left, so you don't have to check what. <laughs> What color tape is on your rounds before you go? You're like, oh, I need my gun, that's and and so that's, that's a that, that's a pretty big. I th I think they did that on purpose, where like every time they need the gun, it literally almost feels like red, blue, red, blue, so that they have to show you on camera that they're changing it, and they all right. look at it. But I mean, the the other thing which made me laugh, and I think this is a thing that looking back on these movies specifically, I understand that they had to be in close proximity to the airport in order to hack into the system, so to speak, but they would have needed one laptop instead of a room full of equipment, right? Like I, I just, just the, the economy of technology. Now they might've still had to hardwire in, but they could have done it with a single piece of equipment instead of like all this stuff that they'll have to you know because think about how easy much easier it would have been to pick up the laptop and take it with them rather than leaving c4 behind right <laughs> to blow everything else up it's like they go into the church and it's just empty <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah i mean we've talked about the fact that it's very possible that this was you know their unit specialty that they were able to take over like uh, small small dictator countries, you know, by taking over the airport, and that's how they all knew how to you know work all of the equipment and things like that. Yeah, I also think it's, and this didn't occur to me until after I finished watching it, but it's like so far, and I say this with an asterisk, but not really. But like, so far in the Die Hard franchise, McLean is only going up against international terrorists. Basically, like I understand there's some, you know, uh, you know, guys switching sides, 
uh, from the home front, so to speak. But like, he he's not fighting like I don't know internal domestic policy people. Right now, I mean, you do know the you know what what the characters represent here yes. in, from real life. I do, and I I there is a part of me that just like I want to with Die Hard, like I want to read fifty eight minutes, like because I. I I have it's it's basically a book that is now again on my list of things to read. Yes, I I want to reread it also. I you know I wasn't able to find a copy because all the copies that I saw were were like a hundred bucks. You know, it's like <laughs> you know it's it's not something that's that's in print anymore. So it was very difficult to try and uh, to try and find it. So I, I actually never got around to rereading the the novel. I I used to have it obviously um, because. You know, I was I was a kid that uh, I would buy novelizations of of movies and novels that movies are based on, or I would take them out of the library and I would read them and I I'd love them. You know, like I mean, even Toy Story, uh, to, uh, not Toy Story, Toy Soldiers. Okay, me. yeah, Toy Soldiers with Sean Astin, whatever. So I mean, that was based on a book by William P. Kennedy, and I remember going to the library and taking it out and just loving the book. So you know. In a in a in a hat tip to what uh, viewers will hear from me in the future, uh, Red Alert by Peter Bryant is on a shelf behind me, which is the basis for Strange Love, and it's it's one of those where it's like there are plenty of people that came to it that knew of Red Alert before the movie came out, but like right. sometimes you go, oh wait, this is based on a book. Time to check out the original material, and. That was one of them, and this is another one where I'm like, I, I kind of want to know. Yes, like, like, st- give me Starship Troopers. Yes, I want to know more. Like, yes, <laughs> always. No, but the, pro- the the annoying thing is when you read these these uh, books, whether it's the a novelization of the movie or it's a movie, it's the novel that the movie is based on. You're gonna find so many discrepancies that are usually gonna drive you nuts. No, I can put it aside, and I I think I think it's. No, drive you nuts from the perspective that you're saying, damn, why didn't they use that in the movie? Oh, yeah, or, no, yeah, yeah. I, I still, you got to put it aside because th- there are so many, there aren't that many original ideas out there, man. Like correct. everything is going to be like, oh, hey, you know, like, like, I mean, and look, anybody who's watched any show specifically like The Simpsons, but like I was a bigger fan of like some of the Futurama stuff, but like when you're in sci-fi, Futurama's done a lot of spoofs too. So it's like, Futurama did an episode like this. Why didn't this movie, you know, this billion budget budget movie do this other thing? I get it. No, you got to put it, put it aside. I do want to say though, before I forget, I had to, and look, my parents, my, my mother was in banking and she was in banking for long enough that I think she worked at one bank, but under seven different banks. Okay. There were takeover. Okay. So when, Northeast Airlines flashes on the screen for as much as it does. I was like, I need to know what happened to Northeast Airlines. They're, they just merged with Delta and died, basically. That's right, in the nineteen in the early 1970s. But it also made me think of, like, that research made me come up with this one question for you, which is, why is it Northeast Airlines? Look, this movie takes place in theory... When it releases in the 80s, where presumably Northeast Airlines is dead and just 
under the umbrella of Delta that I guess Delta couldn't repaint the pla- all the planes yet? Like, it just... I don't know. No, no. Basically, I, I think what happened here is is that instead of saying Northwest, they just they just changed it to Northeast. And they didn't even think of they didn't have Wikipedia back then. No one probably thought about the fact that there was a Northeast okay. Airline 20 years earlier. <laughs> That's what I think. OK, I, because I mean, look at all the names you have. You have Fiji Air and you have a Windsor Air. And uh, I'm trying to remember if there are any others that that, that we actually get to see what they are. But it, they're it's trying just supposed to be, to be a made up. It's supposed to be a made up name okay. and that's it. Yeah. You know, you and I have and everyone else nowadays, we have the ability to go look things up on the internet. Back then people didn't. You know, so they they my let's put it this way, even if the screenwriters figured it out, okay, 99% of the moviegoers had no clue. Yeah, that's fair. That there really was a Northeast airline at some point, and and even the ones who do know didn't care yeah. because it didn't even fly. It didn't. Why would see that? That's I thought was your question. Why is Northeast Airlines flying from L.A. to Dulles? I thought that was what your question was going to be. Oh no, I figured. <laughs> see, I I I. There's always those weird things where it's like, well, they must also be flying out of Dulles, which is why I was like, I, I'm not worried about that because there's plenty of weird things. Like Southwest is now a national airline in the United States, sure. right? And mm-hmm. despite the fact that they should only be a hub of the Southwest, I I get that, but like. Also, but again, that's now. That's not in the yeah, late eighties and early nineties. Yeah, you know, that's fair. And I, I did want to say the other very important piece to the early part of this movie is the older I get, the more I'm like John McClane, and I hate technology. <laughs> the older I get, the more John McClane. And, and think I am. about the fact of how much technology there was for John McClane in 1990, and how much technology there is for us in 2023. I don't have to because I watched him. I watched him beat the crap out of Justin Long, who was just there with a keyboard. Many sequels later. Okay, so we'll get there. We'll get there. I, I know. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> I but but I love the idea that it starts. He like that. Welcome to the twentieth century, John. Starts here. It really right. does. Now you you do know you do know that there are a lot of flaws in the movie regarding the the whole idea of the earphones. Yes. No. Absolutely. Yeah. But I. But okay. I never flew first class. So, and and I think like a lot of moviegoers that wouldn't question Northeast Airlines. There's probably a lot of moviegoers who had never been in the upper cabin of a 747, you know, or I don't think 727s had upper, but they had first class. And it was just like, all right, whatever goes on upstairs happens upstairs. Well, well, this plane doesn't happen upstairs. It's all it's all happening on the same level. It feels like there's a shot or two, though, of them going of of the stewardess. No, 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 not at all. Because because when Holly looks back and sees uh, Thornburg talking with Victor, oh yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah, they're yeah. they're on the same level. Yeah, you know it's not it's no. I think it was uh, an early for me. It's an Airport uh, seventy seven, oh, which yeah. has uh, you know different okay. layers, or or Air Force One, or things like that. You know, you have plenty yeah, of yeah. movies that will uh, emulate having multiple uh, levels. No, this plane does not have multiple levels. But yeah, so. I, I've I've I, I even when I flew 
I don't fly anymore, but even when I flew, I never was in first class. So it's like, meh. Yeah, I've never flown in first class either. But but again, it's a discrepancy here because we're not sure if she's completely in first class or if she's in business class. I that was the part of the movie I was I forgot because I was expecting that when she's like, yeah, it you know the the whole the whole uh, uh, restraining order thing. I was like, oh, they're just going to move her to first class. Like I, mm-hmm. in my, there are parts of the brain where you like, there are expectations that you have, even if you've seen it before and can't remember. I was like, that's Oh, right. they're you just go to the them. first row and we'll put you in the back row. And yes. that's it. You know? yeah. 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 Although, and close and close the curtain. Although <laughs> I, I do believe that we're, we have to agree now. This is two movies you've done where can we just say William Atherton was the best <laughs> of the 1980s and early 90s. Oh, that we know. There's there's no question about it. I mean, Paul Gleason gives him a good run for run for his money. Yeah, but I mean over in but like outside of just this, I'm just saying like he's so good as the guy you love to hate. Ghostbusters, yeah. real genius, the other yeah. diehard. Like yeah. Just um and then I I got to tell you uh, love the idea and it's at the end of the credits so I just want to say that now so I don't know if it's part of our minute this photo play might be, this so. photo play is not sponsored by which is a thing uh, no 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 it's not that tomorrow, That's we'll tomorrow. Talk about that. I just look I just want to say this is something that will never all that like that that's a part of Hollywood that is no longer existing. <laughs> that that's that's a a line of text you will never ever see <laughs> anymore in a Hollywood movie. Wait a second, I don't even see the line here. Where's there a line that it? There was a, at the very end of the film. Uh, it's like it, it came up on my DVD at least, where it's like this photo play is not sponsored by, and then there's like a paragraph of text. No, we don't. I don't have that on the the version okay. that. that uh... That I have. So if you want to bring it up and read it, that would be fine too. I can't. I don't have a um, disc on this drive. Mm. Discs are hard, man. <laughs> but I'm just saying it, it was a line that caught my eye because I was like, everything's now sponsored. Like na- right. if we make this movie now, even though it is about airline terrorists, there's going to be a bidding war to make sure it happens on Delta or American airlines. Um, because we want our brand in front of moviegoers. Rob, I right. want people to know my plane is the plane. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to if you're going to uh, you know, if 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 you're going to hijack a plane, hijack my Yes, plane. exactly, cuz my plane's worth hijacking. Just Yeah. I I don't know if there's that many airlines that that want to advertise that way. No, probably not. I, I... Probably yeah. not. Probably not. You know, it's a, which is why, like, for instance, you know, I always love the fact that in um, Castaway, you know, they didn't get permission from FedEx to use FedEx there. They just decided we're using FedEx. See, it feels like. And FedEx, FedEx was so happy because they got so much. Um, That's the thing. Uh, I, I, you know, credit. I don't it. understand why you don't put a bidding war out because it could have easily been UPS. And then they would like, I just, I. I see that world that way. Like, why not? It's going to be one of these two companies. Somebody, somebody's going to give us. Some, neither of them are going to care, but somebody's going to give us at least fifty bucks. 
and that'll go somewhere. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I think in Castaway, the the fact that the plane crashes, yeah, and, you know, there 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 are reasons that you don't necessarily want it to be your brand. Look, <laughs> the 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 stuff gets delivered at the end of the movie. I mean, we will get it to you. No matter what. Yeah, but not because of FedEx. It's because of Chuck Nolan. I'm, so come yeah, on. Yeah, but we employ him. <laughs> so technically, not anymore. We've we've now paid him, <laughs> paid him off. <laughs> you know, he he now is retired and can do whatever he wants, and he's going to get a monthly salary. You know, for for all the hardships that he's had over the last five years. You know, because our plane went down in the middle of the Pacific when there's no reason why you should have been flying across the Pacific, but whatever, that's a separate issue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're not doing castaway right no. now. And, and I, it, it's, it's a movie that I love, but I don't think I will ever do it minute by minute because I don't think that it is, there's, there's enough to talk about in every single minute there. Uh, and I'm not a nautical person. So you know, like I, I have, I have friends that that would be able to talk about Jim O'Kane. I know you're listening. Jim could talk about, you know, the exact point of where the island is, and, <laughs> and you know, talk about all, like why did the plane veer off and all that stuff. But no, not me. No, I can't. I I might remember some of my sailing from like Boy Scouts, but right now, Crosby, Stills, and Nash's Southern Cross is as close as I get to nautical, and that's a song. There you go. Okay, so. All right, that's fair. <laughs> Completely fair. All right, so let, let's talk about the minute. Yeah. Uh, so it starts off where we continue with the uh, list of the engineers, and we have a, a list of 15 engineers, which it's really funny because you normally don't have this in movies where they will just give you a group of names of people who are cast members. I. You know, you would, you would, you normally would give them all names. You would say, okay, this is. You know, even if it's their own names, you would say, okay, this is Jerry, this is Marty, this is uh, Bob, this is Dick, you know, that type of thing. You you don't usually group them together like I this. was so shocked by these credits, like the bad guys, like just, just, yes. the, gr- just the group, because it, it literally threw me for a loop, because you're right, there is the... Uh, you know, maybe there's title cards or what have you that we now put at the back of the movies, like with Marvel and stuff. And then eventually there's the scroll and the scroll is just in cast order or in order of pay or appearance or what have you. And here we're literally sectioning them off and it's not, it, right. it's, it's something we expect for like, here's the audio engineers. Here's, here's the, here's the, the digital graphics guys, you know, but to separate each of the cast groups, I was, it lit. I paused it. It took me a moment because I was like, "Wait, this is what we're doing." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and and the thing that throws me off about it is that most of these engineers have lines in the movie, you know, and you can't tell who says what. There's no way of knowing. No. You know, the, the guy who makes the Batman comment and the guy, you know, the the, the, the guy who, who makes the comment, let's go, you know, hey, just run down to Radio Shack. You know, I, I'd love to know who they are. You, you can't figure it out because, you know, they don't have names. It's just engineer number one, engineer number two, engineer number 12. Which is usually you know? what you get. Like, I, I think of a movie like Apollo 13 where anybody who's not a speaking part becomes engineer number one, two, three, and four. 
but everybody with a line has a name. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I mean, it's a, maybe now is not the time to bring this up, but like, I will say, I did think this movie was a tad too long. <laughs> like, I just, I don't. Well, you made it through to the end. So that's fine. I, I just, I, no, I mean, I, I will watch long movies. It's just this one, for some reason, felt a little long. Uh, because you need to have a movie 90 minutes. For you, 90 minutes is your cutoff. I, I know I, that. I will watch longer movies, but they they have to have a reason. Of course you will, because I make no, you. No, <laughs> not just you. There are other people, but like there has to be a reason. I think there were just moments in this movie where I was like, I I, I get okay, move move along, move along. It, yeah, it's long movie. Okay, that, that that's fair. That's fair. But it's still fun. Yeah, what no, it's fun. It is, <laughs> and and look, I'm sure all of those engineers. Um, are very happy they got any credit at all. <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. And they all can basically say, "Oh, I was the guy who who made the Radio Shack comment." You know? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody will know if they didn't. <laughs> I did have a speaking part. That's right. Which is which is why I love like the Naked Gun. Okay, the Naked Gun. If you're familiar with the credits, yeah. okay, they have they have an area of the credits where they just list the quotes. Yeah. You know, like you have a character that goes, hey, it's Enrico Palazzo, you know, and, and that's how they differentiate who this actor is. Well, it's a heck you of know, a lot says, easier than trying to come up with a name for that character. Oh, for sure. You know? But but obviously it's, it's done. It's done in jest. Yeah. And it's just hilarious to be able to do something like that because you wouldn't think of doing that. You most. Uh, you know, most producers or most screenwriters are going to say, OK, let's just call this guy. Uh, I don't know, uh, uh, guy in 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 stands yeah. or something like that. You know, not hey, it's Enrico Palazzo. <laughs> you know, and throughout the they have like twenty of them. Yeah, and it's hilarious. You know, and it would have made much more sense for them to do it this way. You know, to have the guy saying, "You're too, you're too low, guys. You're <laughs> pull up, pull up." <laughs> you know? Oh, that was uh, Jim Hudson. Okay, all I right, mean, now we know which guy said it. I, I will say though. Having them differentiate uh, the each of the planes, if that's the reason that they differentiated everything else, I guess it makes sense because then you don't have to worry about pilot such and such. You can just do the Windsor team, pilot, Cole Mealy, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Cole Meany. How can you how can you make that Star Trek? Uh... I, I I know you're an original series guy, and you're you're you haven't moved. I have on yet no to the no. Next I'm generation. in I'm in I'm in season six of Next Gen. Oh, so okay, so you know O'Brien. I know I know O'Brien, but but but, and this is ha what happens when you come at Star Trek at a later date. I was like, oh, it's the guy from Con Air. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. And that's the way that's the way it works. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you do that. You, I, I do that in movies all the time. You see somebody you're like, oh, I know where that guy's from. Yeah. It's a, you know, and there's usually some place that you remember someone from. Now, for me, it was the opposite. You know, like I saw Cole Meany here, and when I saw him in 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 Connor, I'm like, oh, hey, that was the pilot of Windsor Air <laughs> in Die Hard too. <laughs> you know, it just works it works the other way around. Also. Yep. yep. It all depends on what order you watch it. That's right. 
Um, and then basically after the engineers, we, we get uh, uh, a few extra people here. You know, we've, we've mentioned a lot of them over the course of the, uh, of, of the whole sh uh, show. Uh, some of them, like you have two airport cap cops, no idea who they are. But did you notice who the tow truck driver is? I mean, I mentioned this the first week, but did you notice who plays the tow truck driver? No. David Willis Sr. Ah. Bruce Willis' is dad. Nice. No, I, I, yes. I missed that. I, I mean, I usually read the names. I missed that one. There, look, there's a lot of surprising names in very small roles in the early part of this credits that I think I may have been, like, star-powered out by the time okay. we got down here. That's fair. Like Patrick Stewart. That's fair. Not Patrick Stewart. I, I, you're, you're back with uh, the next generation. <laughs> uh, what's his face? Um, Terminator. William Sandler? No, Terminator. Oh, oh, Robert Robert Patrick. Patrick. I was like... I did notice him in the movie for the 30 seconds he's on screen. That's right. And then it's like, oh, okay. Yep. There's that guy. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Right. And then they, they finish the, the cast credits and we get stunts. And I mean, this is always grouped together in movies, but did you count how many stuntmen there are? It, no, but I will say this. It seemed like not enough. Given the they have fifty one stuntmen. Yeah, but for a movie like this, especially, I, I just always assume when there's crowd work, and like there were panicked crowds, that there are going to be extra stunt people whose job it is to fall, while while okay. the crowd's happening, that kind of thing too. So when I looked and that, you you can kind of gauge how many there is. I didn't count them, but fifty one. It's it seemed like not enough. For given all the gun, unless I look, I understand that one person can be a stunt guy for multiple stunts, but it just felt like not enough for the size and scope of this film. Okay, all right, that's fair. Now, the the funny thing is, is I went into I went onto IMDb, and on IMDb they actually have fifty two stuntmen listed. <laughs> There's an uncredited <laughs> stuntman. <laughs> So basically, you had a guy, okay, whose name is uh, Monty Jordan, okay, who, who either he himself or someone who knows him decided that, all right, he deserves to be listed here, <laughs> and we are going to add him <laughs> to IMDb as one of the stuntmen. So you, you, you have, like, the list, you have the section in IMDb of all the stuntmen, and, you know, you, you go through the list and it's all in, in alphabetical order. And then you get to the end and you see stunt double uncredited. <laughs> Monty Jordan. <laughs> Who he's the stunt double for, I couldn't tell you. Um, he has a, a pretty interesting uh, stunt career. I mean, he was, he was in 60 different movies, including Blue Thunder, Cannibal Run, Hot Shots, Part part do that's a, you know so yeah well I, I, apparently you know he he somehow got into he he was in Terminator two he was also uncredited in Terminator two Judgment Day maybe he's Robert Patrick's stuntman or maybe he's just got a, an amazing agent who's like you know what these films might be out but I know this guy was in them so it's time to tackle the internet and hey he's the stunt double for Jesse Ventura in Predator. And it says uncredited <laughs> again. 
he's a guy who keeps getting uncredited. Man, well, at least he's getting his credit now. Yes, yeah, sorry, and he was at, he was in the Terminator also uncredited. This is a guy who apparently just went through IMDb and put in all the movies that he didn't get credit for, because he was in Return of the Jedi as a stunt double uncredited. Man, yeah, th- this is <laughs> he he was a he was in a, a stunt man in Alien also uncredited. <laughs> This guy might might have Capricorn this guy one. is either full of a lot of really good stories or he's been on set and on camera for one scene in each of these films. Yeah, because although his first credit, his first I was gonna say his first credit, but his first uncredit in <laughs> in IMDB is for true grit in nineteen sixty-nine. <laughs> My first uncredit. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> That is really great. <laughs> all right, so we, we continue, and then we get a list of all the pilots. So we have eight pilots here. I'm assuming that uh, that these are the people who are either flying the, uh, you know, flying the cameras, or because you know this is before they had drones. <laughs> they actually had to put someone in 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 a plane or or helicopter. A, I would assume it's a helicopter. a helicopter, so you could get yeah. some better shots. Right. But I. There is a thing, and when we get to the airplane airport movies, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but, like, while I don't like to fly, I don't fly now, and I really didn't love flying before, there is something about a a plane being shot well that is still beautiful regardless, and it's one of the things where, like, this movie only kind of does that, because circumstances of it being night <laughs> and snowy kind of take away from a lot of the beautiful, like, aerial shots we would normally have. Right, okay. But they still exist. I mean, I, and I think that's the other thing. If this movie takes place in the daytime, I think you get a lot more external shots while the while we're talking within the, um, you know, pilots and co-pilots are talking to each other, which are now just mm-hmm. internal cockpit shots because it's, it's dark. How many, how, how many times are we going to just show illuminated windows in a, in a dark sky? Like it's just at a certain point. Okay. That's right. Yeah. I mean, especially since most of it is, is, uh, you know, is, is on a soundstage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. can you imagine being like, all right, Rob, we're shooting this movie uh, during a snowstorm at night. Uh, go get some external plane shots in the sky. Like, oh, <laughs> sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, that that sounds easy. No, no. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Although, in fairness, I'm very surprised they didn't call out the helicopter pilot from the news uh what do you mean? He's he's got he's got. Oh, a does he check. does he get a separate one? I don't remember. Yeah, of course. Okay. The, the, because in the section oh, of the he news talks, crew, because he talks, but that that guy also has to right. be a stunt pilot, or maybe. Um, no, probably I guess not, they probably it's used probably the, not happening. Yeah, it's probably not happening. I'm trying to think of the there. I mean, now I'm trying to go back in the way they cut that scene. So yeah, that probably isn't the same guy who's flying it, but yeah, right. I mean he. He's he's the his name is uh, Robert Lipton. He's the chopper pilot. I get I get all of my uh, helicopter uh, stunt 
information from Airwolf. Okay. That, that's where I that's learned good. all of my stuff from those two. Yeah, I mean, I used to love watching Airwolf, except for the fact that Airwolf, you know, you, you'd have a helicopter shooting at them, and they keep missing, and they don't get anything. And then Airwolf just shoots one uh, torpedo missile at them, and that's yep. it. You know? Yep, yep. <laughs> I actually loved the 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 B plot of like them being a stunt team, because that was some it yes. was some fun it was just some fun helicopter stuff. That's right. Just, they would be the ones brought in for this shot, for that shot. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, but uh, the the Robert Lipton is not a, a stuntman at okay. all. He has 62 acting credits, and he has a special thanks in, from the movie Dahmer. <laughs> special thanks to all those who helped make this film possible. So I don't know if that means he contributed to the, the funding of the film, or you know maybe he reminded them of Jeffrey Dahmer or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no clue. But yeah, and you know he he's got a great line in the movie where he where he basically says, uh, "I may be crazy, I'm not that crazy." Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Then then we get the music credit, and surprisingly, there is only four music credits here. I mean, um, there's only one that matters. It doesn't even give us. There's there, it doesn't even give us any of the 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 music by uh you know by by Michael Kamen here. Yeah, but he got a credit or he he got a credit earlier in the credits. That's right, but you don't see the music, his original music. Usually, you know, you have uh, maybe it would say "Die Hard 2 theme or something yeah. like that. Yeah, they didn't do songs because you know, there are so there are other songs in the movie too. Yes, yes. Well, don't you remember what happened with Die Hard? There were there were songs in the credits that weren't even in the movie. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> but because they were used for inspiration. But I, 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 uh, anytime I see Michael Kamen, I'm just more amazed at how he's not mentioned with you know williams and some of the other bigger names yeah. like shore sure. mm -hmm. you know, look i get it not everybody can be everything but like cayman's got cayman may not be as quote-unquote well known but like his credits are ridiculous yes yeah 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 it really is i mean if you if you were just to look at at the amount of i think he has like maybe 200 credits on imdb if if not more i'm trying to remember what uh yeah and it's what the actual it ends up not is. being number, a the wonder is, that like metallica went to him for like when they did the snm stuff like of course right. makes sense here he has he has 85 music department credits 97 composer credits 126 soundtrack credits yeah Legend. that's right yeah yeah another another one who left us too soon yeah you know but uh, yeah, so there's, there's only four music credits. We have, uh, you know, uh, old uh, old Cape Cod, which is the only thing that has the full credit, really. Yep. And you know that that is also you know the intro and outro of of, of these these episodes. And then we have uh, two uh, musical songs from uh, from way back when that are being uh, used here: Finlandia and uh, Carol of the Bells. And then you have Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow, which is how the credits uh, opened up here. Yeah. Now, the next credit just blew me away. Bonnie Bedelia's bags provided by Prada Beverly Hills. 
Yeah. Okay. What what bags does Bonnie Bedelia have in this movie? We don't see her at the conveyor belt waiting for Isn't her it, luggage to I, show I, up. I, see, I didn't. Re- I read it as like catering provided by Subway. Like you know, like th- they gave her those. Like that. Those are just her personal bags. Yes, but but we don't see them. The only bag we see is she takes her you know archaic laptop and puts it in 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 a laptop case. Yeah. That's it. You know, the, the lady next to her has a bag, you know, where she takes out the the uh, zapper from. Yeah, but. no, I'm just, yeah, I, I mean, this is, this goes back to the knives. Hey, 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 we'll get there, we'll yeah. get there. <laughs> <laughs> then we have the Carol Lombard Kids Children's Choir, who are are singing in one of the very first scenes in the movie. We get them for like five seconds singing. As John like walks by yeah. them, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, while well, he's doing and, that and thing then, where you just randomly walk through a, a, a terminal while smoking. Yeah, that's that's, that's a completely right. normal thing. <laughs> well, that's what you did in nineteen ninety. Exactly you were, what you did John in nineteen ninety. You know, you, he's he's been he's been on Nightline, and uh, you know they did an article on him in uh, Newsweek in Time. So you know why not. <laughs> and then we get the credit that you just mentioned knives designed and created by jack w crane weatherford texas now anyone who remembers the conversation jason and i had uh two seasons ago yep. uh at this very episode you know the penultimate episode we had this credit in the original diehard and there were no knives this time this time <laughs> we have a knife in the movie how many knives can you can you remember seeing here? Oh, uh, it's, it's just two, right? The one that gets pulled on McLean and the one that the the general slices the one dude's throat with. It's just two, right? No. Okay, there's more than two. Oh no, that's that's all I got. What's the? Okay, so you have the one with uh, I, I believe it's the it's uh, one of the I believe his name is Khan. Yeah, Khan pulls out a knife when when he's fighting John before he gets the icicle in his eye. Yep. Yep. Okay, Stewart uh, pulls out a, a a knife when he's fighting John on on the uh, wing of the airport. Oh, okay. Uh, the wing of the airplane. Okay. And Grant uses the knife to to cut. Uh, uh, Talford's uh, neck. All right. Those are the three that 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 automatically pop up when I think about it. Um, it. It is possible that there might have been another one or two that were shown at some point through the rest of the movie. Uh, but those those are the three ones. So you know, Jack Crane actually had a reason to be credited here, <laughs> unlike in the original Die Hard. Well, I mean, look. Here's the other thing: if they were sheathed knives, that doesn't help us. Because that's just a handle. <laughs> that's correct. That is very true. <laughs> and then we get a, a, a bunch of special thanks, which uh, I, I couldn't get that much information about them because uh, they don't really mention anything about this stuff in IMDb, so I couldn't really go into it more. But they basically have here uh, a total of, of seven credits. So we have the first one. It says Larry, Larry Waterman Proton TV. Absolutely no clue. I couldn't figure out who or what Larry Waterman is or what Proton TV is. I, the, I don't know if you looked the, it up. Did you? Look I it didn't up? look it up, but the only thing I could think about while that happened was there were a few times, 
especially for a movie of this era, where there were some television screens that looked good on camera. And it's possible that this guy's one thing was making, was turning down the frequency of a CRT so it wouldn't refresh at a rate that would always have the, the, the green line for its okay. era. That's the only oh. thing I could think of because when it, when, when you're dealing with so many screens, you kind of expect the flicker. And it's the kind of thing you notice nowadays because we don't see that really ever. And, right. <laughs> and, and it didn't really appear a lot in any of the screens. Um, we right. don't see that line reflowing. So all I could think is this is a guy who Hollywood calls when they're like, all right, I don't want the green line. All right. I don't want the white line. I don't want the line. Can we get rid of the, the filter? Uh, that's all I could think of. That's okay, my guess. The internet can tell me I'm wrong. Well, uh, the internet doesn't have information about it, so I couldn't tell you. But the, the thing I found really interesting is, is that the name Waterman, there is an actress in the movie named uh, whose name is Waterman. So I was like, okay, maybe there's some connection here. I I couldn't find if there actually was, but uh, I just found it really funny that that the stewardess on the Windsor plane, her uh, one of her, one of the stewardesses, her name is Felicity Waterman. So I was like, okay, maybe Larry Waterman is her husband, you know? And they's like, okay, hey, uh, Felicity, ask your husband if he can bring one of those proton TVs down here, you know, to help us out. That that's where my thinking goes. Okay. <laughs> Um, then you have uh, a company named Modern Props, which I guess it's self-explanatory. Yep. You know, it's it's a it's it's a company that is giving them modern props for for the movie. Okay. Um, Cerruti, 1881, Paris. It looks to me that this is also something with luggage. Okay. Yeah. Uh, right. Then you have the the California Film Commission with no names listed in there, and then the Michigan Film Office, but Daryl Beasley is the one who gets credited. So you see in Michigan, they, they had help from a guy named Daryl Beasley. Uh, then you have Black & Decker. Um, what what Black & Decker uh, appliance do you think they used in this movie? you have any clue? So the only thing I can think of is that very first ambush. They are moving tools. They, they have tools on top of their weapon. That's well. They're painting. They're painting, but there's also tools. There's also stuff around. There's it's because it's mm -hmm. still under construction. It's not. It's not just paint supplies. There were other things. Okay. So I'm thinking that they must have supplied some tools. A hammer. Here's uh, a screwdriver. Yeah. You know. They're like, hello, uh, is this Black & Decker? We're, we're making a movie. We need uh, a few screwdrivers and, <laughs> and some nails. <laughs> Can you send them over? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the final special credit here is the citizens of Alpena, Michigan. Yay! Yay. I don't know okay. where Alpena, so Alpena is. Alpena is in, 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 in the northern part of Michigan. Okay. Now, I when I worked in tourism for a little bit, I, uh, there's a lot of crossover between tourism of any kind and, uh, the, the, the film bureau. And I, I did a little bit of work with my local film bureau. I, my, my assumption having no actual knowledge of this is that 
it was an inconvenience of some kind. Like, this is one of those things, like, we thank this city, we thank that city. But this city, we stopped traffic on Main Street for two hours. So we're going to thank the citizens of, right? Just something as small as that. So it doesn't, it could also be that those citizens were in the, uh, or, or on film. But I think it's also like there might have been some kind of like, our lights are going to keep these people up. Let's thank them. Right. You know, one of the That's two. That's right. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Um, and, and that's pretty much it that we, we finished this minute. Yeah. I, I, I will say this. I, I like this movie. I think this movie gets, uh, I don't think this movie gets talked about enough when compared to all the other diehards, I guess. But I, I think I'd still rather watch the first one. Okay. That's fair. You know? Yeah. You know, that, that that's fair, but you can also, you can spread the wealth. You can, you know, watch the first one, watch the second one, watch the third one, and then forget about the fact that there are two more. That's it. You know, you have the trilogy. I, I'm, I didn't mind Live Free or Die Hard. We'll get to that oh, I, later. I didn't mind it either. But I didn't mind it either. And I'm still, I still haven't watched the, the most recent one. You've never seen it? No. Should I save it for when oh, okay. you invite me on for that one? I, I, I <laughs> assume that I will not be doing that one minute by minute. I, I might have like a special episode. <laughs> You know, just just making fun of it as it. Uh, All right. You well, know, I'll watch maybe it. Maybe doing I'll, a a running commentary. If you invite me on, but... I'll watch that one. Oh, I'll save okay. it for that. Yeah. Okay. But again, it's for me. It's a trilogy. One pretty good movie, and then one terrible movie. That's the way I look at it. Because as much as I I enjoy Live Free or Die Hard, it's not at the same level as the the original trilogy. It, it's very much a different. I don't I don't like saying this, but like it's a different time. It's almost a different That's movie. Right. It it like the the names are the same, but it might as well be a completely different franchise. Correct. Yeah. That that's my point. Yep. But the the first three, that's the way they yeah. are. All right. Great. So now let's get into the various segments that, that that we normally do over the week. I mean, today is a Saturday, so people have have come to you know, to, to listen to the penultimate episode and tomorrow you'll all be around for the final episode. You know, we, we have these two weekend shows uh, to, to, to finish off this season. But even so, since you haven't been on uh, the, the rest of the season, so we'll still go through the, the five segments. Yep. So the first one we got is McLean Monday, where my guests will give their top five Bruce Willis performances. So, and Jason, start with your number five and work your way. I up. I, I have a tie at five. No ties I, allowed. I, you, you always try to fine. Cheat. Fine. This is what I'll do. You you are a cheater. All right. My runner up. Yeah. My runner up <laughs> in number six would be Pulp Fiction. Um. Okay. I, it was a hard to move that any further up because it's such an ensemble movie. It it's not like he steals. He steals a scene. He doesn't steal the movie. I don't think. Anyway, number five. Okay, but but we are dealing with his best performances. So it could be that, you know, even though he's not in the entire movie, he could still be. I, 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 one of the the five I've got ahead of it are for me are better performances. Okay. Armageddon number five easily. Okay. Cause I think it's his best. I, I like, I like him as the father figure in this film. I know there are parts of it that are a little bit hokey. It's, it's it's the late nineties. It's an action flick. It's a disaster flick. But dad 
Bruce Willis to to daughter Liv Tyler love the performance. Yes. Number four, red. Because there is a part of me, as we get further up my list, I like a Bruce Willis action comedy. And Red it might be my favorite Bruce Willis action comedy. Okay. That's fair. Number three, The Whole Nine Yards. It feels like the movie he had the most fun on. I don't know if that's true, but like it looks like he had a lot of fun playing a retired contract killer. <laughs> and I think it might be one of his best non McLean type roles. Um, number two, the last boy scout, because for my money, Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans are a match made in heaven. That's the buddy cop movie that would have made cop out better. I think. Okay. That's just, that is definitely just my opinion. And number one, my favorite movie that Bruce Willis is in, uh, and one of my favorite movies of all time, The Fifth Element. You don't have a Die Hard on there? Wow. I chose not to put a Die Hard on here, but it would have been uh, uh, in that four or five range because I, I like it, but I didn't want... I, I don't think it's up... Th- yeah, I don't think it's up there, up there. Um, okay. He's playing a character... And I think part of it is a lot of these movies. Now, the whole nine yards got a sequel and Red got a sequel. But these are all one-off performances. I think that when we talk about that kind of stuff, it it's better not to be in a franchise because <laughs> there's a there's a little... not It's not even recency bias. It's just like you've seen it and now it's like, all right, well, pick one of his best diehard performances. And it's like, no, okay, I won't. I'll just either choose okay. the Die Hard franchise or I won't. So I, I, I went without. But it, it would it would make my top ten, but it's it it's not on the list. Okay. That that is definitely fair. Yeah. Okay, so the Tuesday segment is uh known as Disaster Tuesday. Um this was actually a disaster um uh, <laughs> it was a disaster segment. It didn't work. It, it it didn't flow within the show, and anyone listening to any of the Tuesday episodes will probably agree with me. And the whole idea was is that I decided to pick famous people that uh, that died in plane crashes and talk a little bit about them. You know, it's sort of a little bit of a downer. Yeah. Uh, even though some of them were really, really fascinating stories. You know, but that's the way it is. So that what, what I was going to talk about with you is since I know that you're a sports fan and that you're from Pennsylvania. So let's see if you can even guess who, who I wanted to talk about with you. Roy Halliday. No. Okay. Go back further. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not an NFL guy. So if it's NFL, I'm no, it's, a, I, it's, I'm, I'm a baseball okay. guy. It's baseball. What famous baseball player from Pennsylvania died in 1972. I'll even give you that. Oh, um, Oh, I did. I well, Clemente died. In... That's right. Okay. It was Roberto Clemente. All right. Yeah. Okay. So basically, uh, on the off season, uh, uh, between you know 1972 and 1973 seasons, he decided that he was going to uh, he, he would always do a lot of charity work. Yep. That's why they got and an award named after him. 
That's right. And there was a massive earthquake in Nicaragua, and he decided that he would, uh, you know, go there on New Year's Eve. And the the plane that 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 he uh, chartered had uh, mechanical problems, and the <laughs> it was missing a co-pilot and a flight engineer, and the the plane was overloaded by forty two hundred pounds and ended up crashing into the ocean on December 31st, uh, right off the coast of Puerto Rico, uh, due to engine failure. And unfortunately, uh, you know, he, he didn't make it. Yeah, I, I, I think recency bias, man. I, I immediately think of Roy Halladay. Um, okay, all right, that makes sense. But, I, I, you but know. that's, um, yeah, I, I mean, in, in my family, we have a love-hate relationship with Roberto Clemente because... The, well, because you're you're from Philadelphia. I'm not and, from Philadelphia. I'm not. Look, I'm not from Philadelphia. Okay. You're. I know, but that's the closest. It's the clo- uh, you're closer to Philadelphia. That, but than that's not why I don't like him. I don't like him because his Pirates beat the <laughs> Orioles twice in the series. Okay, there you go. But no, <laughs> I appreciate the man, and obviously the Roberto Clemente Award is important. And every team, there's always thirty nominees because there's always at least one guy, if not more on each MLB team doing charitable, good charitable works. And that gets them uh, nominated for the award. And then one of they, they all have a, a nice little uh, yeah. award show thing where each of them get to showcase what they've done for the year in, in terms of charitable works and givings. And then what somebody wins the Roberto Clemente award, but usually it's just, this is all the good that's been done from these nominees. So that's right. So he he won twelve Golden Glo- Golden Gloves yeah. over his uh, short career, uh, which is the it, he's tied with the record for with William Willie Mays for the most number of Gold Gloves for a uh, for for a, yeah. for a player. He was an All Star for thirteen seasons, but he was selected for fifteen All Star games, meaning he had two that that he. You know, was I guess an alternate for. He won the NL MVP in 1966. Was the NL Player of the Month uh, three times. He led the the Pirates, the Pirates, to the World Series and uh, was at, uh, twice to win the World Series twice. And he also was the World Series MVP in 1971. And I will tell you, as a, as a nice little hat tip uh, to a book I just read, he almost got drafted by the Brooklyn Dodgers. But due to ownership change, the owner went, the, the GM went to Pittsburgh and decided to take him to Pittsburgh. But he could have been there one of go. the last rookies of the Brooklyn Dodgers before they moved to L.A. That's right. Oh, well. He also was the first time that the Baseball Writers Association of America decided to change their rules for the Hall of Fame. Uh Okay. And they they voted to waive the five year waiting period because of his, the circumstance of his death, and uh, he was able to get ninety two point seven percent of the vote. Yeah, it seems the least they could have done. Usually, the five year waiting period is because some of these guys like to come out of retirement. Yes, I I, I just recently rewatched uh, Mister Three Thousand. Ah. You know, really fun movie. <laughs> It, it, you know, fun, fun, stupid at the same time. Yeah. But, you know, as a, as a baseball fan, it's just fun watching Bernie Mac, you know, uh, try to get back into shape. <laughs> right. Okay. So that, that's the Tuesday segment. Wednesday segment it wa- is, was 
off the beaten track uh, aviation edition where my guests will give some sort of story anecdotes, uh, adventure, misadventure, something that's happened to them over the course of their life that is somehow related to aviation or airports, whatever it is. So you got a little bit of a story for us, even though I know you don't fly. I do. Maybe, and I, maybe you went to go pick I someone want up. To, I, I really <laughs> wish I could remember the specific details. So I, I didn't prepare for this only because I have a few stories as I wasn't sure which one would pop into my head. But basically, this is the story. I, um, as listeners of my show know, um, I, I spent a semester abroad in Jerusalem. Yes. Yay. And I did this um, uh, the, 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 the second half of my junior year of high school. And um, I want to say it was Tower Air but I don't think it was. Makes sense. It makes we sense. flew over on Tower Air or some airline that went defunct during the semester we were there. Oh, wow. And so we had to get, we flew back on LL, of course, but like, <laughs> of course, it was one of those things when it was time to get back. The, I know the program director was like, we don't have return tickets for you people yet. <laughs> We're still working <laughs> on it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I flew out of Newark. I flew back into JFK, or maybe that was reversed. I don't remember. Um, and uh, But, yeah, it's, it, I get to say that I flew over on one airline, and four months later that airline was no more. And I had to fly back on another. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That that is a nice story, especially since I'm familiar with both of those airlines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. And I still have. They're they're in my office. I still have my LL headphones. Ooh. Shh. Yeah. Don't tell it's, anyone. It's, don't tell it's anyone. It's been twenty years. I don't think they can come after me anymore. I, know. I think I also I'm... have a spoon because at that time they were still using metal silverware. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's branded. It was good stuff. Better than the That's plastic. Right. They I, I know people I know people who have complete sets in their house. Wow. From from Air from El Al or from other <laughs> airlines. Yes. Yeah, that's uh I mean I, I know that I know, I remember my stepfather after Pan Am went out of business, he went and bought up a whole bunch of he bought two sets of, of like uh I think twelve piece you know silverware, you know, brand new from Pan Am and, and in our house, we had a set of Pan Am, you know, that, that was the silverware we used. <laughs> I, I gotta say Pan Am might be like the one brand that has survived despite not surviving <laughs> just okay, because it's fair. such a prominent movie airline for as mm -hmm. long as airplanes have been in movies up until Pan Am goes under that like, right. and it's in all of them. It's just in all of them. And so I think it, it will endure regardless. Okay. That, that is fair. Yeah. Okay, great. Now let us move along to the Thursday segment, which is aviation Thursday, where my guests will give their top five uh, movies that are somehow related to aviation. I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm cheating again. No, I'm cheating. cheating again. Stop no, cheating. One of the reasons. Stop cheating. One of the reasons. I'll, I'll make you come back for more than one. That's fine. Next that's time. fine. One of the reasons I'm cheating is because, um, I I want to give a special shout out to up up in the air, which 
is my runner-up, but I just love the idea that it's kind of more terminals and more mm-hmm. like, but it fits in. It, it fits in there. It's more travel, but I I don't know for some reason it's one of the few movies that seems to even though it's like first class, it seems to actually capture air travel. <laughs> In a way that none yeah. of my other movies are about to. That's right. <laughs> okay. uh, number five, Doctor Strangelove. I would want to put it I'm higher. Surprised that's so low. I would want to put it higher on the list. However, half of the movie is not anywhere remotely near the plane. So I, I, it doesn't. That I, doesn't I know. But I, you know, we have to come up with an order. So, right. Okay. Uh, number four, Top Gun. Um. I don't know if you can argue with that. I mean, you could probably, there are people that probably want to put it higher, but, you know, there it is. Uh, Number three, The Right Stuff, which, it's such a, like, I, I think that might be some of the best airplane photography out there. Um, just, but that's, that's just me. Uh, Number two, Con Air. Um, it's the only kind of uh, one on my list that almost takes place. It's that movie. It's that movie that Cole Meany was in. Yeah, it's that yeah. movie that Cole Meany. But it, it it it's one of the few that actually takes place on like it it features the plane outside of my right. first one. Outside of my number one, most of these are a lot of on the ground stuff, and then some airplane stuff. Right. Okay, that, that's fair though. That that could be. I mean. And and a big shout out to uh, Jay and Mark of the Conair Minute or Conair Pod, you know where they don't do minute by minute; they do it uh, uh, scene by scene. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you can go and uh, check that out or chapter by chapter actually. Gotcha. And then my my number one and probably my favorite airplane movie of all time, Memphis Bell. Ooh, I just rewatched that this and, this this uh, this. And month. it might actually be Love one it. of my favorite World War II movies because it's one of the few movies where the actors are not playing down in age; they're all babies right. because they are all babies. <laughs> um, and if you haven't seen it, you need to. It's just such a great. St- not because it's based on a true story, though it is. It's just, a, it's an amazing cast. And um, I, I think they 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 did very well um, for, what was it, 1990? 1990. Okay. 90, yes. and, and then. Same, same years as well. And just the fact that, like, they were able to, uh, you know, shoot that in. Yeah, I, I favorite. Love it. It's great. Like even the small moments of humor, like I'm hit, but it's tomato soup. You know, just, just mm-hmm. it, I. That's right. I absolutely agree. That's a great. Scene. Yeah, I, I, I loved. Uh, or you know, you're not a doctor. Uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna. We're not gonna go there. But yeah, Memphis Bell. I, 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 I think it's unfortunately. I think it's an under the radar movie. Um, and I'm not trying to pun that up. I just think it really is. I don't think there's enough people that know about it. Um, but everybody should. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Great. Thank you very much for that. Um, and now we will move to Friday segments. 
to finish it off. So Friday segment is something that I that, that I decided to do this season, and I actually think it works very well. Uh, where the the segment is, where are they up to this weekend? Okay, so what what I've done is, if it was someone who has their own uh, movies by minute uh, podcast, so I talked to them about their particular movie. Uh, if not, so I asked for uh, their you know the the guests top movies yep. so that I could you know t- test their memory oh, on things Lord. to find out where their movies are up to at this point. So we're right now at the two hour and three minutes mark. Okay. Yep. So, you know, we're, we're going to go through uh, some of your favorite movies and find out if you can remember where, where those movies are up to at the two hour and three mark. Okay. So let's, oh, let's no. start with real genius. Okay. Real genius. Where is, what's happening in it's real genius over. at the two hour? It's been over. That's right. <laughs> That's right. It ended 15 minutes ago. Very good. <laughs> oh, you see, that's that's what happens when you're at the the end of a movie. You know, I think you know that's the way these things I are. I think that one's so, okay. Why I feel like that one's only eighty seven minutes. I don't even think that one hits ninety. It does. It does. It's it's an hour and forty eight minutes. Okay, all right. So it's it's only fifteen minutes that, that that you miss on that one. Okay, let's go to the next one. Diner. Okay, what is going on in diner at the two hour and three minute mark? I think this one's over too. Yes, it is. <laughs> Okay, I'm I'm kind of worried about um, some of the other ones I put on my list now. And now we will go to the final one. What is going on in the fifth element at the two hour and three mark? I feel like the credits are rolling. I feel like the credits are rolling. I I think it. No, it's it's over. I know it's over two hours. So two hour and three, right? Two hour and three. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. No, no, I take that back. The credits aren't rolling yet. I believe. Uh, I believe um, Ruby Rod is asking Corbin Dallas for a light. That's going to be my guess. I'm going to. I'm going to go. No, oh. you should have gone with. You should have gone with your guy. <sighs> no, nah, it's. Is it, is it credits really? I know it's a longer yes. movie, but it also has longer credits. So yes, it is in the middle of the credits at that point. Okay. Um, we get the 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 credits for uh you know the the art department and okay. things like that. All right. At this point, I outthought and, myself. I mean, I I actually watched the this minute of credits there just to see if there's anything that jumped out. And in the middle, they just have something that says special thanks to Leslie Dilly. So I was like, okay, who is Leslie Dilly? Why would that name be there? You know, like where did that come from? And it turns out that Les Dilly is an art director who worked on uh, the Star Wars movies and worked on Raiders of the Lost Ark and things like that. He doesn't work on the fifth element so apparently you know it must be people that he works with or it's one of those like decided. hey thanks for letting us walk into the studio <laughs> and right see but some i stuff. mean for me it was just really strange because it's like right in the middle yeah interesting it, yeah also interesting you didn't pick the longest movie to really trip me up because i of course i gave him more than three of course you did but uh, i don't think there was any other ones that you gave me that actually were this long i thought the man who would be king would be at least two hours oh yeah that one is but i'm i'm not a fan of that one so i i didn't want to go rewatch that and find uh, you know find a copy of okay. it to, to figure out where that was 
So yeah, okay. That, that's yeah, yeah. You're right about fair. that one. That's fair. <laughs> um, no, all right. Yeah, I like shorter movies. Yes. Well, that we know. Okay. I like I like shorter. Although although my my airplane movies, the right stuff is th- th- almost three hours. So. Uh, that's right. I, I, yeah, that wasn't on your list. <laughs> I like it though. I think I, I like that segment, despite the fact that now at least I'm, I'm not going to come prepared next time either, but at least, you know, I got to be worried when yeah. you're like, well, give me a list. Also, I panic when people <laughs> ask me for a list. So, well, you know, never panic, never <laughs> panic. <laughs> okay. So is there anything else you want to say about this movie? I do believe by whatever classification you would classify Die Hard as a Christmas movie would also make this a Christmas movie. Okay, and, of course. And so yes. by that token, I feel like it should be talked about more. That's okay. all. That's Spread fair. the love. But the problem is, is it's always in the shadow of of its its older brother. Oh, That's sure. what it comes down to. Absolutely. But, you know, as much as I love it. But I, I feel like, you know, there's, I don't know, there's a place for both, right? Well, there course, should be. Of course. Yeah. And there is. There definitely is. All right. Great. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to uh, let everyone know where they can find you? Yes, I, um, I'm i I'm on the internet, uh, agentpalmer.com. Uh, that's, that's usually where I put all my blogs, um, though I have been starting to write elsewhere if I can. Uh, hit me up. Uh, you can find me at Agent Palmer on all of the platforms. So if you're on a platform, just uh, I'm sure I'm there. And then the podcast, The Palmer Files, is a long-form conversation podcast that you can find wherever you're listening to this show right now. All right. Excellent. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Your Up Minute. You can find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, and you can find me on my website, moveyourupminute.com. So I will be back tomorrow for the final episode of this season. Jason, thank you very much for, for joining me once again. Absolutely. All right. So until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay. If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little bit. 